temporary suspension of the accustomed order, an interruption of the system of nature as we know it, operated by the force of the Spirit of God. It is not a natural thing. It is not going to the doctor and getting some medicine, as some would say today. Again, as some liberal theologians would say today. Well, that's just when you go to the doctor and you kind of, you know, you take penicillin and it's a miracle. Brother. Come on. The gift of miracles. God wants us to participate with him to work miracles. And like we were saying, like we said in the message, we have to participate with God to do this, right? We have to do something for this to work. Hello? Jesus spoke. Hello? He spoke to the storm. (laughs) Moses lifted his staff. A miracle happened. There's something we're going to have to do in that situation. If God's trying to work a miracle through us, come on, he's going to direct us by the Spirit of God. Amen. And we're going to have to do something to make the miracle happen. That's why it's called working of miracles. Amen. So we got to do something. We got to participate with God in that. And that also goes along with the gifts of healings, which we talked about last week. We have to participate with God to work a miracle. We have to participate with God for the gifts of healings to work. The gifts of healings are given by God for the supernatural healing of disease without natural means from any source. Right? Nothing to do, again, with medical science. They are not natural in any way, shape, or form. Right? All of these gifts are all supernatural. Come on. They're not natural. They're supernatural. Hallelujah. So that brings us today. We're going to look at the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is supernatural utterance in a known tongue, a known language. What do we speak here? Everybody in here speaks English. (laughs) You might speak another language. Anybody speak another language? Fluently? Fluently? Yeah. Which one? Dutch. Dutch. Oh, nice. That'd be fun to hear some Dutch. So I've listened to that some Dutch. <laughs> but the gift of prophecy in the body, when it's a gift of the Spirit, right? You're, there's going to be, it's a known tongue. And the Hebrew word that's translated to prophesy means to flow forth. Did you catch that? The Greek word translated prophecy means to speak for another. You catching this? So prophecy is a flowing forth, come on, of divine utterance from God. That's what prophecy is. It's a flowing forth of divine utterance from God himself. It is not natural. It is supernatural. Come on, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Do you, do you desire it? Come on. Remember, we read that in 14.1, right? And do not forbid to speak with tongues. How many, how many churches today forbid to speak with tongues? Many. And yet it's right here in the Word of God. Sorry, sir, we don't, uh, we don't speak in tongues here. I want to say, did you read 1 Corinthians 14.39? <laughs> Do not forbid to speak with tongues. (laughs) Come on. 
Now, like I said, in verse one of the same chapter, Paul says, eagerly desire all spiritual gifts, but especially prophecy. Especially. He, 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 he says it again in here in 39. Isn't that interesting? Well, we're going to find out today why. Come on. So he says, desire earnestly to prophesy. That makes this a very, very high important gift. Why does he keep saying desire this earnestly? Come on. This gift shouldn't be shunned by any Christian. Hello? It shouldn't be shunned by any Christian. It should be something every Christian is seeking after, desiring earnestly. Come on, we, we see it twice. Right in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, every Christian is not a prophet. Amen. But every Christian should prophesy. <laughs> Come on. There are still prophets, right, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. There is a ministry gift of a prophet for the church of God, for the body of Christ, right? Well, some of the names you may know, Agabus, Silas, Simeon, are listed as prophets in the book of Acts. They're prophets, right? And we, we're, we're going to probably get into the ministry gifts here in the next series about what the ministry gifts are. And one of them is a prophet. But as we're going to study in that, a prophet, you can be in the office of a prophet, but if you're not in the office of a prophet, it doesn't mean you can't prophesy. <laughs> Come on. There's a teaching gift. A gift. I believe I have the teaching gift. No glory to me. Come on. I give the glory to God. Amen. Because he gave me the gift. But just because you don't have the teaching gift doesn't mean you can't teach. Right? Come on. You're not called to pastor. Does that mean you can't pastor anybody? No. You're just not called to full-time pastoring. Pastoring, you're going to help lead someone in your work to Jesus. Help lead them along the way to Jesus, right? They get saved. And then they're like, wow, I'm saved. What do I do now? You pastor them. Well, let me pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on now. You can lead them in the right way. Maybe you start having a Bible study with them. Come on. You're showing them the right way to go, the right way to live as a Christian. Amen. So we are not all called to be prophets, but we are called to prophesy. Now, let's look at Acts 21, 8 through 11. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed. This is Luke, right, writing. We talked about Luke last week because he's a doctor. And Luke never used his medical knowledge in the Bible, which I thought was very interesting. Not that we're against medical knowledge. But the Bible doesn't need that. It points out the miracle power of God. Amen. And so Luke, Luke pointed out Paul laying hands on people and being healed. <laughs> he didn't say, and I got out my book of medical science and we figured out how to heal this person. Not that we're against doctors at all. Doctors that are trying to help people praise God. Amen. Praise God for them. They've helped many people live. Amen. I'm sure you all know some people that live because they went to the doctor. 
<laughs> I told the story. I took penicillin back when I had pneumonia, back when I was like 13 years old. I don't know, I was about 13, I think. And I remember I was sick. I had pneumonia, right? And I took penicillin. Guess what? I got better. Hello? That's a good thing, right? <laughs> I'm still here today because I took penicillin. I might be dead, right? You, you've been sick of pneumonia. You're like, ooh, this is bad stuff. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, right? Luke is writing this. And he says, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Ooh, glory. See, Philip was an evangelist. He is called to evangelism. He is an evangelist. He's in the office of an evangelist. It doesn't mean we don't evangelize people. We were just talking about that, right? The office of the evangelist, the office of the prophet. All right? Who was one of the seven and stayed with him. All right? So they're staying at Philip's house. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So we see two different things right here, right? The four young women all prophesied. I'm sure they had some Holy Ghost meetings at Philip's house. <laughs> Come on. And Paul and Luke were there, and they saw these four women prophesy. That's why he wrote it. He saw it. Amen? He saw this happen. I'm sure they, they had some wild, wild Holy Ghost meetings. You like wild Holy Ghost meetings? We've, we, we started this morning pretty good, didn't we? Come on up. I like a wild Holy Ghost meeting. <laughs> Hallelujah. We, we need to also see that Agabus shows up, right? After many days, he shows up. And Agabus is a New Testament prophet. Agabus has a word of wisdom. Remember, we talked about word of wisdom. Now, you could say this is a prophetic utterance, but he's giving Paul a word of wisdom. He's telling him what will happen, the future, right, in Jerusalem. If Paul goes, right, and what does Paul say after that? Uh, I'm willing to die for Jesus. No big deal. I don't care if I'm bound up. I'm willing to die. Right? But Agabus is a prophet. He tells, he gives Paul a word of wisdom. So right there we see prophesy and prof prophet. Right? And if you, uh, we take this a little further, of course, we could study. I mean, I was studying this this week and I'm like, whoo, I've never studied prophecy so much, but I was blown away how much what there was. And I was like, whoo, this is heavy stuff. I mean, I was like, God, I, whoo. So you can study this, right, a lot further than we're going to take it, of course, as is any subject. But if you think about, if you think about other examples of this, right, uh, I always give the example of being filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, or Acts 19, where they came, Paul came to Ephesus, and he said to the believers, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed, right? One of the great proofs that every believer needs to receive the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 19. And what happened when they were prayed for? 
by Paul, what happened? They all spoke with tongues and prophesied. Did you catch that? They all spoke with tongues and they all prophesied. That's another example of Christians prophesying. And again, notice it goes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I've been, I've been throwing this in through the, the, the weeks now, that if you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the entrance into the power of God. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He did not say what happened before. Amen. What, how did Jesus do the work of the ministry? How did he perform miracles? He was baptized with the Spirit of God. He did not do miracles because he was the Son of God. Get that thinking out of your head. He, baptized, he was baptized in the Spirit, and then he began to do miracles. Because he was showing us how to operate in this earth. So we were supposed to, every Christian is supposed to follow what Jesus did and be baptized in the Spirit. And so the devil has stolen that from the church in large part. Come on. It's so sad. Because the devil has stolen it away. And so many Christians don't want any part of it. Because, well, mainly, I think, because they don't actually read the Word of God. They just call themselves Christians. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Uh, no, you're a Christian because you receive Jesus as Lord. Jesus is your Lord and you were made a new creation in Christ. Come on. And then you renew your mind with what God said. Hallelujah. Now, to understand this gift, we've got, we got to look at some mistakes that are often made, often thought about this gift. Now, the first one we kind of already covered. The gift of prophecy is not the office of the prophet. Okay, As we just saw, Agabus was a New Testament prophet. The four young women were not prophets, but they prophesied. We've got to separate those two thoughts. If we want to get this right, we have to separate those. Right? Some, some have prophesied and then they thought they were prophets. You see it on Facebook all the time. <laughs> Come on. I'm a prophet of God. They, they put it on there, right? They even put it on their title. Prophet so-and-so. You're like... <laughs> in, our, in my Bible school, they taught us. They said, you don't need the title. It's fine if people use the title, right? It's fine. If you call me Pastor Vern, that's great. But I don't need the title. I don't need the title. Uh, if I'm a prophet, I don't, I don't need to be called Prophet Vern. Right? If I'm an evangelist, I don't need to be called Evangelist Vern. Some people do. They say, well, you've got you to gotta call me Prophet so-and-so because I'm a prophet. If you're a prophet, the fruit will show up. The fruit will show up. If you're a pastor, the fruit will show up. Amen. If you're an evangelist, the fruit will show up. If you're a teacher, the fruit will show up. <laughs> Amen. Just because we prophesy does not mean we're a prophet. There is the office of the prophet. We're talking today about the simple gift of prophecy. I call it simple just because we have to differentiate it from a prophet. 
We can, all, we can all operate in this gift of prophecy. Secondly, the gift of prophecy is not prediction. Remember how we started out, the definition. Prophecy is a flowing forth of divine utterance. Now, within a prophetic utterance, you may have a word of wisdom, which is about the future. Within a prophetic utterance, you may have a word of knowledge, which is about something right now. Right? Within a prophetic utterance, you might have discerning of spirits. You might have a lot of these gifts happening, come on, in one setting. When I prophesied, times I have prophesied, I have prophesied a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom within the same prophecy. Did you get that? So the prophecy was flowing from God, divine utterance flowing from God, and within that, come on, a word of wisdom came out, a word of knowledge came out. But prophecy is not prediction. Okay? Prophecy does not equal prediction, because so many people have that in their heads, right? Well, the prophets always speak of future events. No! <laughs> read Jeremiah, read Isaiah. Did they prophesy future events? Absolutely. Those were technically, if you want to get technical, right? Words of wisdom. They were about the future. Those things, uh, those words given about Jesus by Isaiah in chapter 53 was a word of wisdom. What was going to come to pass? It was going to come to pass. It was a word of wisdom. Now, all of Isaiah is a prophetic utterance. And you can find words of knowledge in there that he had for Israel. Right? Current state of Israel. You can find words of wisdom. You can find words of knowledge. You can find divine flow of, 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 of flowing forth, right? Of divine utterance throughout Isaiah, throughout Jeremiah. Come on. But we have to differentiate uh, uh, because that, that thought will, will, will uh, push us down. I don't know the right word to use. If we think prophecy has to be prediction, that is not at all what it's about. If we think, well, if I prophesy, I have to tell about the future, and that's pretty weird. I don't know. No, no. It doesn't have to be anything about the future. If it is, it's a word of wisdom. You getting this? This is very important stuff if we're going to operate in these gifts. Thirdly, the gift of prophecy is not for guidance. Now, the Old Testament prophet, things changed when we got to the New Testament. The Old Testament prophet foretells and often led people, right? He would tell them what's going to happen. He would tell them where to go. Come on. It was foretelling and leading people. Guidance by the prophet. Well, guess what? In the New Testament, guess what? We all have the Spirit. I said we all have the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> so uh, uh, the prophet can say something, but it's not to lead us. And the simple gift of prophecy is not to lead Hello? In the new covenant, God's people are to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. We are not led by prophets. We are not led by prophecy. Now, the prophecy can help us, right? It can confirm something we already know in our hearts. It can help us a lot. But I've had, I've had things spoken over me, prophecy spoken over me, that I had to reject if you're going to be led by the prophecy, ooh, that's not, that could be really, really dangerous. Right? Someone comes and says, 
you are called to go to China. Pack your bags and get going.